Amen. So I'm going to continue on the series on Romans, on the book of Romans. And part of, I'm going to be doing chapter 5. And part of chapter 5, it talks about Adam and Eve. So it reminded me of a story I heard that I actually told in the discipleship group. But I didn't want to deprive everybody else, so I figured I'd tell everyone this story. But I heard a story about a mother, and her daughter came to her and said, well, where do people come from? And the mother said, well, thousands of years ago, God created this place called the Garden of Eden, and he made Adam and Eve, a man and a woman, and put them in the garden, and that's where people came from. Well, then the, then the girl went to her father, and asked her father, where do people come from? And the father said, well, over millions of years, people evolved, and at one time, we used to be animals, and we all came from apes and monkeys. Well, the girl was all confused. She went back to her mother and said, I don't understand. You said that we're created by God, and my father said that we all come from monkeys and apes. Which is it? The girl says, don't be confused at all. I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about his side of the family. Well, that was in case you didn't show up that day at the disciples. So I'm in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. See, it says, here's a fancy word for you. Usually we try to leave the fancy Christianese words out, but you need, to, you need to know this word. It says you've been justified by faith. It doesn't, faith doesn't mean you believe in God. You could go to any of the wise guys out here in the street, the guys fighting, drug dealers, and they'll tell you, oh yeah, I believe in God. Faith means not only I believe in God, but I put my trust in Him. Amen. I live for Him. Amen. I live to serve Him. I don't do it perfectly. I struggle with my faith. At least I do. Amen. We have times where we're trying, we're trying to wrestle with God with the faith. But when it all comes down to Him, to it. He becomes the reason that I live. I put my hope and trust in Him. And if that's you, you are justified. Justified is a legal term. And you know what it means? Not guilty. It means you have sinned against God. You have spoken against Him in your lifetime. You've gone against His ways. You've hurt people. You went to trial and you are justified before God. You are not guilty. You have peace with God. This is maybe the greatest verse in the whole of the Bible. That there's nothing anymore between you and God because you stand in His grace. 
And it says in the end of verse 2 that we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Another fancy word, the glory of God. See, tomorrow you can go and impress all your co-workers with these words. What does it mean, the glory of God? It means when something happens on earth that it's evident that it had to be God. Amen. When it's a healing that was impossible. Amen. When I was fully depressed and all of a sudden peace came upon me. When a door opened that couldn't possibly have happened. That's the glory of God and we boast in it. What does that mean? I, I praise Him for it. I worship Him for His goodness. We boast, we walk in His blessing because He is a good God. I, I expect His power and His mercy to work in my behalf. I receive His blessings because He's good and that's why we worship Him. But now the scripture is going to take another turn where you might not be so excited anymore. Verse 3. Not only so, not only do I boast about God when I'm blessed, when I'm healed, when everything's going great in my life, but it says we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit Amen. who has been given to us. In other words, I'm not only blessed by God when everything's going great. I don't only boast about Him. I don't only stand here and worship Him because I'm out of debt, because I can pay all my bills. But when everything is falling apart, when life is a mess, when all hell is work breaking loose, the scripture says, I still glory in God because He's still good. Amen. And He's Amen. doing the work yeah. in me. Yeah. Through the trial. You see, I know God in ways I never would have known Him in, in the good time. Not only me, but many of you. Amen. I've seen all of a sudden you get serious about prayer when you're going through something. Right. You see, all of a sudden we begin to press into God. I, I, the reason I really know it's hard is not because of His blessing and His goodness. I know it's hard because so many times He's brought me through and He's been doing a work in my life. You see, I begin to grow and mature through the difficulty. That's right. I don't like difficulty. I don't like this scripture. <laughs> you could have it. I, got, I was all excited till I got to this. Oh, that's what they want me to talk about? I like boasting about the blessing and I'm walking like butter on my feet and I'm just sliding through life. And what does it say? No, we glory in the suffering, yes, yes. in the tribulation, when the enemy's coming against you, when there's a bad report, when you open a letter with bad news, we say, God, I worship you. 
You see, your difficulty, your problem can be a setback where you walk away, you get mad at God. I've seen that hundreds of times. Do you know how many people aren't here anymore worshiping God? They used to be just like you. They, they came to church. Oh, God, we worship you. And then they went through a hard time or a difficult. Oh, I'm mad at God. Oh, I prayed and nothing happened. Oh, this isn't working out for me, this Christian stuff. It could be a setback. Or on the other hand, it can be an opportunity for God to do a powerful work in your heart, in your life, in your family. Now, I understand that there are sometimes there are circumstances that are so hard that they knock the wind out of you. Where you need the people of God. And can I tell you that even in those times, I learned things from God. I wouldn't even trade those times. The times where I got totally knocked down and stomped all over because God taught me lessons through it. I can stand and minister today because I was able to get up again. You see, going through difficulties isn't God just trying to put something in you to pull yourself up. Oh, I'm knocked down and I got to work something out. No, God placed a body of people around you. Amen. You need each other. Amen. This isn't all about me. It's about learning to depend on one another. Amen. So I want to go back to the scripture that says that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So number one, when you go through difficulty, it produces in you perseverance. What is perseverance? It means patience. It means I don't give up because things get hard. I learn to endure. Paul, Paul said it's like running a race. And, and, and the great theologian, Dr. Phil, he said, that, he said that life is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. I learn, I keep going. I get knocked down, I get hurt. It could be day after day, and I get up, and I go back again. See, that's perseverance. You've got to learn that, or you're not going to make it. You can't make it as a Christian. This is square one. I gotta learn to stand. I gotta learn to keep going. See, back in, in verse two, it's um, it said talks about the grace in which I now stand. I gotta learn to stand in His grace. I learned that in the hard time, in the difficulty, when the ambulance is on the way to my house. When I get a report from the doctor that says, we don't know if your wife's going to make it, which has happened many times in the last few years. You know what I learned? I learned how to stand in his grace because I'm too weak. Maybe we got some strong, tough Christians here. Maybe you're like super Christian. You're one of these tough guys. Oh, I, I can just... I can bull through. I'm like a Christian bull. Whatever happens, I'm ready. There's some times, there are days and times 
when it takes God's amazing grace to get me out of bed. See, that's perseverance. You see, if I'm going to preach someplace, I can't just call them up and say, I'm not feeling it today. I was up all night praying, pacing back and forth. I gotta learn to persevere so I stand in the grace of God yes. when nobody can help yes. me. Nobody has the right word to say. Amen. I stand on the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Last year, this is a crazy one, but last year I was ministering at a church upstate and I had an accident on the way there that really messed up the car did like $8,000 worth of damage. So the policeman told me, well, you need to go to the hospital to get checked out. They called the pastor. The pastor came, and he told the policeman, he can't go to the hospital, he got a priest. <laughs> so I had to walk, and of course I could have said, no, I'm going to the hospital. I ain't doing that. So I, I stood there, and I, had, I was so shaken. My hands were shaking. But I learned to stand on the grace of God. And I was, I don't know how, but I just opened my mouth, and God began to fill it. See, that's perseverance. When the car crashes, when, when all hell broke loose, I can learn to stand. That's me, born to be wise. <laughs> Secondly, perseverance produces character. You know what character means? It means my circumstances don't change who I am. It means no matter what I'm going through, people can trust me to be the same person. You know what that means? It means when you go through a hard day of work, you, your kids know that when you walk in the door, you're not going to throw things and curse them out. It means your wife knows that because you're going through difficulties, you're not just going to walk away from the marriage. It means I'm walking steady before God. That's what character is. It means the same way I act when I'm in the church is the same way I talk to my wife on the way home in the car. Whatever I wouldn't do in church, I won't do out there either. Whatever I won't say in church, the way I won't speak in front of Pastor George, I won't speak in front of anybody. You learn that again through the hard time, because it tests you. The difficulties test your character. And again, you learn. You learn how to walk steadily before God. And the character, it says, leads to hope. Now, hope in, in the Bible is different than when we say hope. Oh, I sure hope this, it doesn't rain tomorrow, but who knows? That's not hope in the Bible. Hope in the Bible means I am sure that God is yeah, going to yeah, do what yeah, he said yeah. he's going to do. How do I know that? Because I've been through, through hardship. 
I've been through trials and difficulty. And the same God that helped me pay the bills last time, he's going to do it again. The same God that healed my body last time, he's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's not going to fail. See, hope means I have an assurance in my spirit because I've experienced God through the trial. I've seen the difficulty. See, if a tree ever falls on the church again, Pastor George will never get panicked because he knows now God is faithful. He's going to take care of it. There's purpose in your trial. God did not cause your sickness. He didn't bring trouble in your family. He didn't get your co-worker to curse you out. But he uses it for your good. So it gives us hope. I'm going to go down to first verse 6. And um, Pastor George actually read this last week, but I'm going to read it again to keep the flow. It says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely anyone, will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? What does that mean? It means as Jesus went to, to the cross, he looked ahead in time, and he saw you in all your mess. All your rebellion. He saw that you at your state when you wanted nothing to do with him. That you wouldn't have walked into a church for a million dollars. When you are cursing and partying and drinking. He looked ahead. He saw you. And yet he hung on the cross and paid the price. That's the love that he has for you. See, the scripture says some people might die for a good person. You might put, give your life to save a good person. That's right. But how many of you would go into a jail and risk your life to save a killer, a, a criminal? But the love of God is greater. See, this, it says that the same grace, the same love, that causes me to stand through the trial is, was evidenced at the cross when I had nothing to offer him. I was a dirty good for nothing. I used to, when I was in college, I used to write papers and argue trying to prove that there was no God. I used to argue with Christians all the time saying, oh, they just want your money. They're all fakes. Try to pull Christians away from God. I, everything I did was anti-God. And Jesus, he hung on the cross. He knew about all those papers. He knew about the times I would be in jail. He knew about all the issues and, and the hatred in my heart. And yet, he died for me. Amen. 
See, this, and that same God who loves you like that is the same God who's going to bring you through your problem. He's the same guy that's going to rescue you out of your mess. Who's going to bring you out of the depression and the hurt and the darkness and the sadness. See, all the years that you were rejecting him, he was there all the time. All those times when you were out drinking and drugging and partying. All along, he was right there, right in that club with you, trying to draw you, trying to get your attention. You see, that's the kind of love God has, a ferocious love that goes after you. Aren't you glad that same God is on your side? He's working on your behalf. going to go down to verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sin. What is that saying? I'm not going to read the rest of the verses. I'll explain it. The reason that we get sick, the reason that we die, the reason we have so many problems is not because of us, spiritually speaking. It's because of the sin of Adam. His, when Adam rebelled, his sin jacked us up forever. <laughs> is that a real word, Bert? I, I heard it on TV. I figured I'd throw it out there. <laughs> I hope I didn't say something bad. <laughs> you see, Adam, he, again, he was back in the Garden of Eden, and God put two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you can, you can, only, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what do you, so what do you think they did? You all know the story? Eve ate first, she ate Adam out of house and home. Anyway, Adam was lucky because nobody knew his jokes back then. But, and then Adam ate from the, he ate the fruit. And because they sinned against God, God was angry, and he said, Cursed are you, Adam. Now you're going to die. See, God created us to never die, to never be sick. He created us to live in paradise, where everything goes smooth. But because of the sin of Adam, God put a curse on all mankind. That one man, it says, and God said, Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. Thorns and thistles are going to grow out of the ground. What does thorns do? They, they tear you up. What does that mean? Because of you, sickness is going to come into the world. Works, life's going to be hard. It's going to tear at you. He said, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to make a living because of your sin, Adam. 
What does that mean? Like God put a curse on finances. So work became so hard. Up to that point, work was easy and pleasurable. But because of the sin of Adam, work became tough and hard. And he said, no longer can you eat from the tree of life. And you're going to die. And at that point, God told Adam and Eve to get out of the garden. And because of what they did, because of the mess that one guy made, we get sick today. We die today. But I'm going to go down to verse 15. Actually, verse 17. For if by the trespass or the sin of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more who, will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? What does that mean? The one act of Adam of eating that fruit brought a curse on us, brought us death and trouble and hardship and poverty. But what is it saying? But by the one act of Jesus to die on the cross, by that one man, that one act, the curse is broken. We live now in the blessings of God. It says, how much more if the sin of someone like Adam could mess us up? How much more will the one act of Jesus cause us to live in, to live in blessing and righteousness? You see, it wasn't only Adam. Things have happened in your family line down through the generation. Addiction, abuse, failure, poverty, sickness runs through the generation. I was praying for somebody last week. He said he had chronic diarrhea. So I said, well, did, that, did your family have that too? He said, yeah, it runs in my genes. <laughs> Go look at Pastor George and see if he's ready to throw me out there today. I was debating all the way here. I was debating what he was When I figured Pastor Bert got my back here. You see, and it's easy to say, well, don't blame me for who I am. Don't blame me for how, it's all because of Adam. It's the way I grew up. It's what happened in my family. It's my background. And all that was true up until Jesus died on the cross. You see, here's what he did. He sat in the garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says that the drops of blood came from his brow because he, he was going to face the cross. And he said, God, if there's any other way, let this pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And he chose to obey God. Where did he choose to obey God? In the garden of Gethsemane. See, Adam disobeyed in the garden. 
So Jesus had to be in a garden and he chose to obey and drops of blood, the healing grace of Jesus came from what his brow, remember God said, by the sweat of your brow you will make a living. And when the blood touched his brow, the curse is broken off of your finances. Remember what God said, out of the ground will grow thorns and thistles and life will hurt you. Life will tear you up. And what did they do? They took a crown of what? Thorns. They put it on his head and when it pierced him, the blood flowed and that curse was broken over you. By the act of the one man was greater than what Adam ever did to us. Any, any bad decision your family ever made, any horrible thing out of your past, those curses are broken off you. Remember that they sin because they eat the fruit of the tree. What did Jesus die on? He died on a tree. It had to be a tree. He had to reverse the curse. What Adam did, Jesus totally reversed it. Remember, they sinned by eating the fruit. What did Jesus do the night before he died? He took the fruit, the, the, the cup with the grape juice, which is crushed fruit, because he was crushed for our transgression. And he said, this cup will be for grace and healing and freedom. The, the fruit that brought a curse, Jesus took fruit and said, this fruit is a blessing to you. Amen. You see, you don't have to live under that curse. You are not cursed. Amen. It doesn't matter what happened in your family background. Jesus reversed it all. Whatever the one man did, whatever your parents did, your grandparents, Whatever sin they committed, whatever diseases they had, it's not going to be passed down to you. I declare it right now in Jesus' name. Over your life. We sever those ties right now. Everything of poverty that was in your family, we say it's broken by the power of the blood of Jesus. So this is how I want to close. See, there's a scripture. It says, if anybody's sick, to call the elders of the church. And the prayer of faith will make you well. So I, I, I just seen so much sickness lately in this body. That I'm going to call the pastors right now. I'm making a call. I'm calling for the elders of the church. And I'm going to ask Miguel to come with this healing team. We're going to start breaking off sickness. See, the power of those storms are broken. Life's not going to tear you up. Your circumstances, the sicknesses of this world. So pastors and spouses, anyone in the leadership who's able to pray, I'm going to invite you to come. Maybe, Jason, if you could just play in the background. 
And if, if either you or someone in your family is dealing with a sickness, or you're, going, you're in a hard, difficult situation right now, we're going to break that right now in Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And if that's you, maybe the ushers could help me. So the, all the pastors, their wives, deacons who are able to pray, I'm calling for the elders of the church, like it says in Timothy. And it says that the prayer of faith will make you well. 